0: In the world of agile software development, you can iterate quickly, mm-hmm. and it's oh, you know, it's okay if it's not quite ready. <laughs> In the world of a rebrand, everything has quite, to, yeah. you know, it, it is the Steve Jobs unveil it to the world, right? Mm-hmm. And it all has to be seamless and perfect that day.
1: You're listening to the Remarkable Brand Podcast, where authentic brands win, with your hosts Mike Jones and David Kosan.
2: Okay, so if you're an avid listener of our podcast, I want to apologize right now because this episode will not satisfy the cliffhanger from the last episode because we're going to have to solve that a different day. That's a different podcast episode. I'm sorry, y'all. But today we're going to be talking about something that you probably see almost every day, even if you don't recognize it. And that is when a company's identity is imprisoned inside of their product's brand oh (laughs) imprisoned scary yeah we get to talk today to matt johnston ceo of get kraken who recently rebranded out of that exact scenario a real world example of a business that thrived after a successful rebrand i'm really excited to talk to him about that but before we get to that david and i are going to do a little improv that's right Yep,
1: and by now, everybody should know what name 10 things are, so we're going to get right into it. Let's do it. All right, David. What is it, Sam? David and Mike. Name 10 products that are actually companies.
3: Ooh. Kleenex.
2: One. <laughs> uh, uh, Daily Wire Soda. Two. <laughs> uh, Alf. Three. <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That's Four. a good one. Yep.
3: I'm going to go with uh, Crocs.
2: Ooh, Crocs. That's five. Uh, Grandpa's see-through underwear.
3: Ooh.
2: Ouch. Wow. What's oh, oh, that total? Oh, wow.
3: uh, Six. Hey, um, bird. Those shoes that have a bird in the name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All, <laughs> All birds. birds. There we
2: go. Seven. <laughs> um, flightless Eagles. Eight. Yeah. The sports team. It's a good product
3: oh man uh two more i pad phone <laughs>
1: <laughs> ipad phone that's it yep
3: no i think the company's called apple dang i screwed that one up <laughs> no wrong answers go
2: one more uh elon musk's nostrils oh yeah that's a terrific product <laughs> that's also a brand it's been selling like hotcakes lately
3: <sighs> hotcakes it's oh, a product. Hotcakes. as a brand. <laughs> oh man!
2: All right, that's we had, eleven. Oh eleven. We oh, went we to eleven. Really?
1: We took it to eleven. Wow, that's great. That, we did. We did. I like execute this
3: much yeah. quicker yeah, than the last, last time. time. Yeah. That was great. Find your frequency. All
2: right, guys. Product branding versus organizational branding. That's what today is all about. We're going to hear from Matt Johnson in a little bit. But before we do, I think David, you and I, probably Sam too, need to unpack this a little bit, kind of give our perspective on what's the difference really between when a company has a product, right? Like they are the product versus the brand is the whole organization. Um, So why is, why is that a problem? Maybe, and Mike,
1: David too, probably maybe throw out like, what are a couple of real world examples that we probably have heard
2: of that have kind of fallen into that trap? I think it was last episode, but we mentioned Taser. Yeah. Right. I think that's the easy example. A company that branded all around one product. Uh, The short story is they tapped out their market selling Taser's. There was no one else to sell it to. They did have other products with brands of their own, namely Axon, and they had to pivot into that product, which required them to kind of rebrand the entire organization as Axon when it was Taser before. And that's a costly experience to go through, right? There's a a process to go through. There's also, you know, you got to roll that out. And so I think that is a a good case study of an example of why maybe establishing your organizational brand earlier on, um, once you kind of have a sense of where do we want to go beyond one product, right? Let's create a brand that can house all these things. You want to think of like the Apples and the Nikes of the world, right? That have this organizational brand that, really actually drives a lot of the demand for their products and holds most of the equity. Um, the products themselves have their own brands. They have their own unique identities, but they're all subservient. They're all like part of a family, and the family has that surname, right? That last name, you know, almost like a – I don't want to get too medieval here, but like dynasties of kings and queens, right? You think about the different families – that ruled England. Sorry, I was doing a big Wikipedia search the other day <laughs> on all this random stuff. And and each family had their own crest, they had their own name. Sure. Funny enough, one of them had to rebrand, actually. The Windsors were not originally the Windsors. They were, I'm going to butcher, I don't remember what it was, it was a, a German-based family name because their family had roots back in Germany. And in World War One, if you're ruling England, probably don't want to use a family name that's German probably not going to work out well and so yes they rebranded their own family name
3: and actually that brings up another example that i had in mind where the product is a person ooh, so to speak so you guys probably have heard of dave ramsey sure yeah financial guy yep uh you know financial peace university he's got a show about getting out of debt right Mm -hmm. this is his thing he's been doing this for a long time but he started other products and other services he wanted to get other speakers involved he wanted to not have it just be about him so the identity was very much oh this is dave ramsey
2: yeah his name's on it
3: right Uh, his company this whole time i think has been called lampo group okay so it had another name but nobody knew what lampo group is in fact i don't even know if it's still called that Hmm. but i think if you have a brand that starts around a person Hmm. and everybody knows that person but then you want to grow and not just be about you know that one Yep. human well, what are you gonna do where are you gonna go with that right
2: well we work in an industry that has that problem with almost every firm
3: I would assume that's accounting
2: accounting yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and even in in law firms right in in the legal world that's yes. another big issue where firms are established around maybe one or two or three people sure and their last names become the brand and over time you know you think about a, a law firm or an accounting firm that's been around 60 70 years. The original founders are gone. Sure. Right. They're out of the business at the very least. And that business has to carry on with their name on it. Mm-hmm. That can be very awkward. And that can leave a lot of issues not only to the marketplace of like wait, who are you and why are you named that? And that's yeah, why you also see a lot of acronyms put business
3: together or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: um but also I think it does a disservice to your team, right? You have new leaders in your organization who then have to take on the mantle of someone else's name. And maybe over time, it kind of gets institutionalized and that name doesn't really mean anything about the people. But at some level, like two, three generations out, you're still going to reference those particular people. And there's also a, a reverse flip issue with that. And this goes to product brands that are kind of... If your company is the whole product, right? There's another issue, which is if anything wrong happens with your product your whole brand goes down, right? And you can think of like individuals who have really strong brands and maybe even have businesses built around those brands. Dave Ramsey's not a good example. I think he's done a good job protecting his own reputation. But imagine if like Dave Ramsey got in financial trouble, right? right? Comes out, oh, you know, he's the guy that says never have any debt and he's got loads and loads of debt, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say that happened. Even if his company was really good and it could continue going, his name is going to hold it back, right? Um, And so that's the danger. Even, like, you know, KFC, I think, went through this. Like, for a while, the colonel was like, this is a bad thing. We can't have the colonel because it's got this weird dark history. There's bad things that he did or things we don't agree with or things that are not politically correct. And then given enough time, people kind of forgive and forget, and we move on.
3: I think part of how we get into this, like how companies might be getting into this situation is – they're so rightly so they're concerned about product market fit. Mm. You want to get that first product to work and you get so excited and then you're touting the (laughs) success of this product and, and this becomes our whole business. Yep. And that, I mean, that's natural, but I think it would make a lot of sense for companies for, you know, for us to be thinking about, Hey, what, what else is here? Mm -hmm. What, what more besides this one product that serves our customers? Well, what are we all about, right? Yep. And so if you have that forethought, right, yep. <laughs> and you're thinking ahead, yep. hey, let's not just fall into this trap of once we get our first big win, that defines who we are. Yeah. No, we're so much more than that. And let's make sure that we're intentional about that before we find that product market
2: fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah or at least, you know, same, like, dual track that, sure, right? Like, sure. yes, we've got to find the product market fit. We're going to build a brand around this product. We're going to find the right market for it. We're going to make that work. Right. Cause that is at the beginning, that's the business, right? Sure. You got to get that figured out. Sure. But I think it's, it does it a disservice if you say, oh, we'll figure out the corporate organizational identity later. Right. Right. And it's like to your point about Dave Ramsey, right? Maybe all the time was spent on the Dave Ramsey brand and there was this other brand that they could use, but because no energy was put into it, no, no real development of that brand in the marketplace was put in place. So by the time you're like, oh, we really need somewhere to house the Dave Ramsey brand. We need a larger kind of container, right. a, a larger family brand to put it into, right? Um, that means something to people. Well, now you're going to have to like spend a lot of time and probably money to build an awareness yeah. and a and a meaning behind that larger brand. Um, And I think that's why you'll often see product brands kind of go the taser route where they try to turn the product brand into an organizational brand. I think there's dangers in that in and of itself in that if you wait long enough, that product brand really means something very, very specific. And to try to make it mean a lot more things actually makes it really convoluted. It makes it really hard for people to understand that. I think you lose clarity and you lose, you lose people in that process. We've seen the big
3: tech giants do this too, where they, Mm -hmm. it was Google. Now it's alphabet. Yeah. Facebook and Google's still there. It's a brand, but, but But yeah, there's this larger
2: or larger organization. It is a search engine. Meta with Facebook. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But even with meta, it's like they want meta to be a product. Like it's the metaverse, yeah. Yeah. Like it's like. Well, wait. Is Meta the company, or is it the a new product? I'm so confused. <laughs> oh man.
3: So, good example. We're confused.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we're confused.
3: So let's uh, hammer that out during while like you're saying, while we're figuring out product market fit. Yeah. Let's make sure we're intentional about the brand being bigger than this product.
2: Yeah. So I think that that begs the question: What is the remedy, right? How Okay, I know I need to do this. I need to be thinking organizationally, not just product. I'm either dual tracking it or I'm putting a lot of forethought into my organizational identity. Is that it? What else, What else is there? What's the remedy to make sure I don't fall into that trap?
1: You're 10 years down the road. You have this brand that is a product and it's successful. People mm-hmm. like it. But then something happens. Maybe you acquire another product. Or you create another product, like you mm. said. Now what do you do? How do you fix that?
2: I think that's really hard. <laughs> you hire a branding agency. <laughs> 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 All right, good episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wrap. No, I, I don't I don't think that's the immediate remedy. I I think sure, some outside help might be helpful. Yeah. Right? Some outside perspective. Whether that's you go hire an agency or you go talk to your talk to your customers go talk to the the team that you're acquiring for that other product i would hope that you're already thinking that through even before you make the acquisition yeah you know that there's maybe a maybe the inkling of a plan for that i think there's opportunity to look at your current brand and go can we leverage this as our as our organizational identity can we ladder it up then you have some really hard work to change people's perception of the product itself and what it's called. Um, There's some tactics in that, that I think are, are easier. One is like take what's um, functional about your product, like differentiatingly functional or who it's positioned for an industry or a type of business um, and create kind of a non, a non trademarked name for it. So a good example would be like if we were resound was going to spin up, um, we're going to go target, you know, tech companies with our services for branding. We might have resound tech branding, right? Tech branding in and of itself is not really ownable. It's not really a trademarkable thing, but we're reemphasizing resound as the organizational brand. And then we have these different subservices or products that fall into that. Salesforce is a really good example of that. They have, if you kind of go to their solutions list, they have all these icons with names underneath each one. And they're like, one's like marketing and one is sales. They're very application focused. There's a couple that are not, Mm -hmm. which are their acquisitions. So Slack, Tableau, um, and then there's, I, I can't remember, there's another one that's an acquisition that hasn't been kind of formalized into this more homogenous cloud of services. But they're really emphasizing Salesforce, right? Like all the equity is put into the Salesforce name. Well,
3: and we see that with Amazon, Amazon Music, Amazon Prime. That's
2: a good example.
3: Uh, They bought Audible, and I think they've kept the Audible brand. Yep. But most of the other things are Amazon fill in the blank. Yep. Yeah. Which it's interesting. So, I mean, if you have a brand that has a ton of equity, Mm -hmm. and now you're starting to make acquisitions, then, yeah, you have to be strategic about, are we a multi-brand, family of brands, mm-hmm. company?
2: General um, Mills.
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> Cracklin' <Yeah>. Oat <Ope> brand.
1: <laughs> Favorite cereal. Yeah. Uh, if, if General Mills was, what, what's one of their cereals? Cheerios? Cheerios, Cheerio. sure. What, yeah. if, what if General Mer- Mills' name was just Cheerios? Right. And then it's like, well, we, now we need to do like cornflakes and Rice Krispies. Well, that's Kellogg's. Oh, Wait, I are mean? they all the same company? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in this <laughs> universe, they are. So then, you know, you have a real issue there, and and you do. I I think there is a necessity at that point, um, whether you're a tech company or a food company, whatever. Uh, there's probably a point where you're like, we have to rebrand now because we are no longer just our product, uh, and you never really were. But now your your hand is kind of forced to figure out like, okay, now we need to really become an organization, not just a product from a branding standpoint.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think if you think about brands that really stand the test of time, most of them are branded that way, right? The product is subservient to the organizational brand. You know, I think Apple, Nike, um, you think even like an AT&T, a GE, a lot of the car brands out there, Honda, Toyota, the the organization is really what drives a lot of the value at the product level, right? Because they've done such a great job over a long period of time of building the trust with the organization, not just with its single product. Yep. And there's a real advantage to that in that every product that you put out into the marketplace that's new carries some of that value with it. Right when Nike comes into the golf market, a market they had never played in before, had no credibility, up against brands like Ping, who have you know decades of credibility in that market. Within, I think, what 15 20 years, Nike outsold Ping in that market. I mean, just nuts to me, but that's the power of their brand. In that, yeah. hey, I like Nike, I trust them, they have tons <laughs> obviously, they have tons of marketing power right but they can enter into a market they have no expertise in and just dominate because they carry over all that equity with their organizational brand
1: Mm. you are remarkable
2: all right so we have the immense joy of hearing from matt johnston ceo of git kraken a leading provider of git tools for software developers matt joined Git kraken in late 2021 and he's already made a significant impact on the company, leading them through a successful rebrand in a very short amount of time. Prior to get Kraken, Matt led marketing efforts for a number of other fast-growing software companies, including Modic, now a part of Acquia, as well as Applause. Matt, thank you so much for joining the show today. You actually have firsthand experience of being stuck inside of a product brand and recently went through a rebrand to break out of that. I'm really excited to hear about that first. Tell us a little bit about Kraken on a high level. Sure, so
0: GitKraken is a 100 person company uh, based here in Scottsdale. Uh, we have employees all across the US as well as uh, an R&D office in Alicante, Spain. Uh, so you know, we've gone from kind of single location, everyone in the same room, mm. uh, and in the past year and a half have you know, exploded both in terms of size, number of products, amount of revenue, but also in terms of just kind of geographic reach. Um, and then when we talk about, you know, creating Git tools for developers, uh, Git is, is a, you know, the ubiquitous standard when it comes to, you know, managing version control. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you've ever shared a spreadsheet with someone and, you know, they made an edit and messed up your formula, <laughs> you kind of understand what Git does. Uh, and so we make tools that, you know, help developers build their company's software. Uh, and that could be their company's websites, mobile apps, integrations, back office uh, really, any type of software that that company is building, uh, our tools enable their developers to go further, faster. And so we have more than ten million developers from hundred thousand companies around the world using our products every day uh, for every sprint and every new release. And that's companies like Netflix, to NASA, to Nestle. Uh, mm-hmm. So all sorts of you know really pure technical companies, young companies, well established you know older brands. That's really
2: cool. Um, so you came on board late twenty twenty one. And I think pretty quickly there was a need for a bit of a rebrand. Is that right?
0: Yeah. So right around the time I was joining, uh, we had made our first acquisition of a uh, product called Git Integration for Jira, hmm. uh, and right after I joined, we made a second acquisition of a company <laughs> called GitLens, uh, and so you Busy. can you can start to see a a branding and phonetic trend here. Uh, mm-hmm. And so at the time we were called Axosoft, mm-hmm. uh, and that was our original flagship product, and was still the name of the company up until December eighth of twenty twenty one, and the decision was easy um, because we knew that the the future of the company was not in those legacy products. It was in these kind of developer tools that were really built around the Git ecosystem uh, and other ecosystems like Jira Mm -hmm. um, that are so important to software developers and just companies uh, at this point. And so we made the decision that, you know, we wanted to kind of move forward um, and and recognize that our new flagship product has has evolved as Git Kraken. Uh, And and we wanted to build a brand umbrella that was big enough, not only for our three products that are developer focused and in the Git ecosystem, uh, we also wanted to make sure that it was a big enough, scalable enough brand umbrella for the fourth product or the fifth product or the
2: 10th product that we might build or buy in the Mm. future. That's cool, yeah. That's definitely um, an interesting challenge to be thinking through: is multiple products you're merging in these existing brands, um, but also wanting to maintain kind of that large enough umbrella that you're not getting pigeonholed down the road.
0: Yeah, you have to think about scale the same way a technologist thinks about scale, or you know, and, uh, somebody who's building a home thinks about you know what is this going to look like? How is it going to operate two years, you know, mm-hmm. two decades from now? Uh, and so you want to make sure that there's you know there's ample room uh, for the things that you can't even envision today.
2: Yeah. What did that process look like a little bit? I think that's sometimes really helpful for people as they're thinking through the similar types of challenges.
0: Yeah. There's you know some people think the word rebrand and they think new logo. Yeah. Uh, or they yeah. think a new website. Uh, and there there's a an entire mm-hmm. gradient right an um, entire range. When when I was at Applause, our original company name was U Test, mm. and so we set about you know we were six seven years in and really successful and growing and not only did we want to change the name of the 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 brand name that the public sees we wanted to change the legal entity the cap table the paychecks come (laughs) from and so it was a company-wide effort from it to legal to accounting to you know everyone the 401k plan had to change its name uh in addition to all of the marketing and product work when we went from U test to applause here uh, in the case of going from Axosoft to GitKraken, it was certainly more than a new logo and certainly more than a new website, but we didn't go as far as changing the legal name. So yeah. that was great because it meant we didn't have all the back office functions. We didn't have to change the name on the paycheck or change the name on the, you know, the 401k plan. Um, but there, it also introduced some interesting... Um, tension between what was back office Mm -hmm. and what was public facing, Mm -hmm. right? So you'd sit there and say like, well, HR, okay, that's back office. Well, what about when you're posting the job? Uh, what about when you're building that, that, you know, that recruit or that, that candidate pipeline focused brand? Uh, and so the team did a phenomenal job. Uh, and it was everything from marketing to product to it, uh, to HR, just going through and inventorying every brand touch point, uh, you know, from email templates to social, um, you know, the team can now tell you all sorts of stories about how you transition a company <laughs> name in the world of LinkedIn, yes. uh, where Axosoft <laughs> went from the company and Kraken was the product, uh-huh. and then we inverted those two. Uh, and And to me, the most magical thing about that is... You know, in, in the world of agile software development, you can iterate quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, you know, it's okay if it's not quite ready. <laughs> in the world of a rebrand, everything has quite, to, yeah. you know, it, it is the Steve Jobs unveil it to the world, right? Mm-hmm. And it all has to be seamless and perfect that day. Yeah. Uh, and so the team did a phenomenal job of, of coordinating, you know, a thousand different touch points yeah. uh, and bringing them to the finish line together, uh, yeah. which was which was really cool. And ultimately, one of my favorite things about that, the, the former marketer in me, you know loves the you know a clean thoughtful uh well done rebrand but the ceo in me loves the fact that it can be such a bonding experience for a team that you yeah. get to rally around this this new and revised north star and you know everyone's kind of pitching in everyone's doing their part there's a lot of dependencies there's a mountain of communication um and a lot of hard work but at the end of it it's incredibly rewarding and you know if, if you get it right it can propel a company forward
2: yeah that's such an interesting point um that there's not just a, a benefit. I mean, there's almost like a PR benefit, right, to a rebrand, you sure. know, it kind of makes a big splash, gives you an opportunity to get some, some media attention sure. and have some conversations. But also that internal, maybe not PR is not the right word, right, but that internal kind of cultural focus. Right. That we're all pushing forward on one thing all at the same time. Right. And we're really getting focused on what it is we stand for and who we are.
0: Yeah. And, you know, getting to a place where y- you almost have to explain to any human being what's in it for them. Mm. Uh, you know, how do you get H.R. to care about it? How do you get accounting to care <laughs> yeah. about it? How do you get I.T. to care about it? And so it can't be a marketing driven rebrand. And yeah. I think one of the things that, that the get and team got right was not making it about any one function. It mm-hmm. was about the company, it was about our
2: North Star, and we were all kind of rowing in the same direction. That's great. Um, talk to me a little bit about kind of how core values played into that. Um, I, we're, we're big fans of core values, so I always wanna ask, you know, as people talk about brand, I don't know if they always make that connection point, um, but I just know how intrinsically powerful the values are to really undergirding the brand and giving it a sense of a purpose and direction. First of all, if you don't have well-articulated values uh, as
0: a company, as a team, and as a leader, then you're building on a house of sand, mm. um, right? You don't have that solid foundation. And then secondly, you know, you can have the the most sizzly, interesting, cool brand in the world. But if it's detached from your values and your vision, uh, then it's it's empty. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I think GitKraken, I was lucky enough to inherit from the the founding uh, or the founder uh, who had built the company um, had really built it on this kind of foundation of innovation and being healthily dissatisfied with the status quo. Hmm. Uh, so even the get cracking client, which is our flagship product was born out of a 30 day kind of hackathon sprint. <laughs> uh, and it was, you know, it was built by some engineers that wanted to solve that problem for themselves. Uh, and so there was this kind of healthy dissatisfaction with like, you know, we could make that better. <laughs> uh, and so that's a great foundation to build, a, uh, yeah. build a top. From my perspective as, as the CEO, uh, coming in and inheriting this team and inheriting this this company and brand, my job isn't to rip up that playbook. It's to write new chapters that build upon okay. it so we can go further faster. And for me personally, the my first kind of value in, in anything is take care of employees. Hmm. Um, if you get that right, then there's somebody there who will happily, eagerly Take good care of your customers. Take good care of your partners, and if you get that right, then your investors are well taken care of. If you get that wrong, then it's a house of cards, and it'll crumble. Beyond that, I'll say that the the five principles I have for leading any team. Um, the first one is go fast. Hmm. The second one is with focus. Third is and trust. Fourth is to deliver value, and f- uh, fifth is as a team. Hmm. And each one of those, I mean, it's one sentence, right? It's go yep. fast with focus and trust, deliver value uh, as a team. But every one of those has these kind of underpinnings that are so important to get right. Um, you know, on the go fast side of things, um, you know, having a bias towards action means that you're overcoming the very human condition of "I'll decide later." You know, <laughs> oh, we can we can figure that out next week. Oh, we can wait and we can launch that. Or it's not ready to publish. Just overcoming that and having this bias where you're leaning in towards yep. action. Uh, I saw a quote from a, another CEO recently that said, uh, fast, uh, fast is as slow as we go. And I love that. <laughs> and I just went, mm, That's it. again, yeah. you're just fighting against that very natural, very human tendency to slow down. It's not ready. Uh, you know, we don't have to decide until next week, so we won't. Yeah. Um, with focus, it, you know, that second one about having focus while you're trying to go fast, it's so important that. You know, first of all, if you want to go fast, you can't try to boil the ocean. You can't try to do 10 things at once. Uh and so ultimately, the things, you know, the the things we say yes to get all the attention, but the things we say no to are just as important. Mm-hmm. And you have to say no 90% of the time otherwise you're scattered and you're you know, your efforts are diffused. Having trust within the team, that one's meaningful to me. Uh I think we've all been around people and teams where, you know, promises are made and not kept. Uh and so I like to think a lot about the say do ratio. And, you know, we want to have a really high say-do ratio mm. with each other, with our board, with our customers, yep. uh, which means you're making the right promises, and then you're moving heaven and earth to keep those promises. Yep. Um, and then delivering value, it's something we talk about a lot at GitKraken. There are a lot of companies out there that, that create nice-to-have solutions, uh, and that's wonderful, and that, that works great in a, you know a, a booming economy. <laughs> but when you get into, you know, tougher times when you get into more competition, that's when you have to graduate from nice to have to need to have. Hmm. Uh, and then lastly, as a team, um, you know, doing it together as a team, first of all, and I didn't always believe this, but I, I'm a firm believer now that attitude trumps aptitude. Hmm. Um, you know, if, if you, you know, some people call it the no jerks rule, but getting to a place where everyone understands we win and lose together. There's no such thing as a month or a quarter or a year where marketing had a great, a great showing and product didn't. Like we win and lose together. We have the same record at the end of it. And when you get to a place like that with a team, it's really impactful because, you know, the, you start to recognize that we all agree we're at point A. We all agree we're trying to get to point B. So the only thing we might disagree about is what's the best path to get mm. from A to B. And as soon as you put it in that context, you realize you're on the same side of the table, right? Mm. You're, you're competing with the status quo. You're competing with a competitor, um, but you're never competing with each other. Yeah. And, and that's, to me, such a healthy foundation. And part of the the kind of principled um foundation that i like to bring to any team Hmm. that's
2: great i think that's that's really interesting to have kind of those underlying core values and then kind of this leadership level of this is what we're we're aiming for and this is what it should look like when the rubber hits the road that's really cool um back to the get kraken brand um i always like to ask everybody how, how how do you define the get crack and brand like what you talk about the kind of the north star or maybe you know that focus um how do you how do you kind of summarize that yeah it's a
0: it's a great question because brand is so ethereal <laughs> yes, right it is. you know and and you can it's very subjective too right you might look <laughs> at a brand and say wow they nailed it yeah. and i might look at it and say what are you talking I don't about get it. <laughs> i don't get it. it doesn't land for me uh and so one of the things i think about is i don't know any company or brand or business that really cuts through and resonates without being wildly authentic to Mm. itself, uh, to itself, its vision, its users. Uh, if you, if you can't look yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, no, even, even when it causes a little bit of trouble or confusion or costs more, you know, we're going to go that extra mile. Uh, if, if you're not doing that, then it becomes diluted and you start to look and sound like everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we're a SaaS platform that does this. Yeah. Oh, you're fascinating. <laughs> the uh, Uber of Phil Yeah, the exactly. The Uber of, the <laughs> eBay of. Um, and so I, I think one of the things that really drew me to the company, and I can't take any credit for this, but they were always just laser focused very intuitively focused on this brand voice. Hmm. Uh, and it was a brand voice that, you know, yeah, we do really serious work. Uh, for serious developers who work at serious companies, but we don't take ourselves seriously at all. And so even having, you know, like a mascot, we have, you know, Keefe the yeah. Kraken. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's helpful and playful and clever. And it's just the right amount of kind of goofy and the right amount of weird. Yeah. Uh, and it really resonates with the developer audience. And yeah. I remember having conversations uh, with the VP of marketing um right around the time I joined and uncomfortable for her I'm sure to say like oh I have a new boss and he's a former CMO and he's probably got all these <laughs> ideas and you know she said hey one of the things you know a hill that I will die on is is maintaining this this brand voice that is very human very authentic and focused on the developer hmm. not the developer's boss you know we're not going to be corporate we're not going to be this kind of enterprise focused message hmm. and she was 100% right uh, and it's, you know, one of the strengths of the company is that, you know, they they found that voice and they've done a really good job of, of staying true to it and mm-hmm. being, like I said, kind of wildly true to themselves.
2: Yeah. And that's so interesting that I mean, part of that is being really true to yourselves. Like this is who we are. Right. We don't take ourselves too seriously. But on the flip side is this like laser focus on who you're delivering value to. Right. Which is that I think what you just said was really interesting. That's why I'm going to say it again uh, for anyone that's listening and <laughs> missed it. Um, You said you're you're not for the developer's boss, right? And so having that laser focus on the developer themselves, what really delivers value to them beyond probably even the product itself. Even that comes out in the brand of like, hey, developers are very serious people and they're doing very serious work, but they tend to also be creative and enjoy kind of a little bit of expression of that kind of creativity and an interesting, like kind of, you know, the idea, whole idea of like playing with, playing with words in your name, get Kraken, and right. obviously having a mascot that isn't just some talking head CEO. Right, it's not clippy. Yeah, <laughs> clippy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just, full, like a little bit of kudos for me, at least on those things like that, that that takes guts. Um There's a lot of companies I think that struggle with those things because they they see Oh, our our clients, our, our customers are really serious people. Yeah. And they're doing really serious work. And so we have to be really serious too.
0: Right. Or we won't be credible. And we won't, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I think there's a there's a
0: counter argument to that. There is. And you have to understand, you know, who is the core audience? And, mm-hmm. and it's not just a brand question for us. Our entire business model is predicated upon uh, this notion of kind of bottom-up adoption. We don't mm-hmm. go to the director of engineering and try to sell 100 licenses. Uh, John finds our product and tells Jane and, and Stephanie tells Steve. Yeah. And eventually we might get introduced to their boss, but we're there to serve the developer. Uh, and we can't lose sight of that. Now, I, I appreciate the kudos. What I would say, I, I actually think the, the the real kudos, it's easy to do that when you're starting from scratch and you're the upstart. And yep. You're just like, eh, we're just here yep. to serve developers. <laughs> it's a lot Let's harder. let be playful about it. But as you start to grow and as you start to get big customers with thousands of seats, and these are yep. big brand names, it's super easy then to just regress to the mean yep. and say, hey, why don't we start playing it safe? Yeah. Uh, and again, throughout, you know, not only the founding team, but the, the team who has kind of nurtured this brand along has just never lost sight of the fact mm. that our audience is demanding and smart, but they're also creative and they like, you know, they don't want to be sold to, they don't want to be marketed to. Um, they want you to build an amazing product. Uh, and then they want you to be yourself. They want mm-hmm. you to be human. Um, and so they've done a really good job just maintaining that authenticity. That's really cool. That's really cool.
2: Um, if you had to put a category on Git Kraken, what would you what category would you put yourselves in? And total to full disclosure, you know, I think this is just such an interesting question to ask because I love companies that are thinking deeply about, you know, the category, what they're creating, if they're creating a category and where they position themselves in it.
0: Yeah, so in its simplest terms, you know, if you went and talked to Gartner or Forrester, we'd be in the developer tools or the DevOps yep. tools. Uh, space. Uh, and I think that's fine. Uh, I think that's the very two dimensional black and white version of that. Uh, to me, I look at it and, and I say, you know, if you subscribe to Mark Andreessen's old, uh, maxim that software is eating the world, then the people that are authoring software are authoring our future, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's self-driving cars, whether it's remote education, whether it's digital security, physical security. Um, and so I, I tend to look at the category we're in is, is say we are here to help those authors of our future be more productive, be safer in the, in the products they build and then collaborate with each other better. Hmm. Uh, so ultimately I look at us as the, you know, the paintbrush uh, or the marker uh, that they use to kind of paint this, this bold picture in the future.
2: Yep. Love it. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. This was super helpful to hear from a real person what a real rebrand did for your organization and really how it benefited everyone that connected to it. So we've talked about the right way to brand your company. Next, we're gonna talk about elements of branding your products and services. And we're actually gonna have Matt join us again to talk through one really important model of product branding.
1: The Remarka Brand Podcast is a project of Resound and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and David Kosand. It's produced and edited by Sam Pagel. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at remarkablecast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact the show, to find out more about the Remarkable Brand podcast or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode, check out our website at RemarkableCast.com. Copyright Resound Creative Media LLC 2022.